hear his word. Amen? And we have a, I believe we have a special, sort of like a special service. It is a special service. Amen? Uh, I'll invite you to open the word of, your word of God, the word of God, to Mark chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 through 20. I know it's verses 1 to 25, but uh, we're, we're going to cut it short today. Let me pray. Let me pray as you <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, uh, this privilege that you give us to preach your word. Give us ears to hear, Lord, to heed your word, to, to, to be obedient to what you call us to. To always, Lord, uh, listen, listen, and, and, and be willing to respond with obedience. Help us. Help us to preach your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You guys got it? Well, I'm going to, let me say some, something before I get, start reading. Um, we're looking at the fourth chapter of Mark. That's where we are, chapter 4, verses 1 to 20, right? And, and this, is, this is the parable of the soils. It's a well-known parable, right? Familiar to the, to the students of, of Scripture, very familiar parable, right? Uh, so... It talks about the soils, good soil, bad soil, you know, so we're going to dig a little, we're going to get dirty a little bit. We're going to dig into the dirt, uh, and we're going to see what the Word of God has to say to us. Amen? So let's read. Let's read. It says, <clears throat> again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat it in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not, much, it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up. And, said, and since it had no depth of soil, and it sprang up since it didn't have no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no grain. And the other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was alone, those around him uh, with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? <clears throat> the sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for. A, a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fell away. 
and others are the ones uh, are the ones sown among thorns. They are they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it prove and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown in good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's where we are. Again, uh, it's a it's a very simple story, right? It's a simple story. Uh, everybody everybody understood the, the 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 story as far as as far as the the the, the soils, right? Uh, it was an agrarian agrarian. Am I saying it right? Sometimes my accent comes out, comes out strong here, so bear with me. It was an agrarian society, so they knew about harvesting and all of that. So it was well known. They, was, they were familiar with this. Good soil, bad soil, some, relative, some, some relatively better than other soils, good soil, all of that. They got that. They got all of that. They understood, they understood the story. What they didn't get, what they didn't understand was the spiritual meaning. What did it mean? Now you remember all the parables that, that our Lord uh, told, they were very significant in spiritual truth. There was a, a spiritual truth, spiritual meaning that was coming out of there. But according to verse 6, it was just reserved for those who, who the, the disciples, the, 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 the ones who had ears to hear rather. And, then, and no, not everybody did. Not everybody did. Everyone understood the story, but everyone didn't understand the meaning. They didn't understand the meaning. They were oblivious to what it meant. But that was by intention. That was by purpose. It was purposely done that way. The large crowd, you remember, uh, it was a huge crowd. It was, we say a large crowd, and sometimes when we think, oh, this is a large crowd. No, there were thousands following him. Thousands. So it was a, a very large crowd who followed Jesus. But they were there strictly for the, for, the, for, the, for the miracles. They were there for the benefits. They were, remember, he had fed them. So they were there for the food. They were there for the miracles. And that's all they care about. They were thrill seekers. They were thrill seekers. They were happy just to be there watching the greatest show on earth. You remember? He was healing everyone. So it was, it, it was literally the greatest show on earth. But the crowds had no interest in the, in the message. The crowds had no interest in the theology, in theology of, of Jesus. They were out there for the miracles, for, for, for the benefit. And so for them, Jesus speaking in parables became a judgment. It became a judgment. Uh, from now on, he says, he never, he never says anything to them except in parables. And never explains the parables. Never. So they, made the, so they could hear and they, didn't, they simply didn't understand the meaning. So this is judgment. This is judgment. Verses 10 and 12 tells us that, right? It says, as soon as he was alone with his followers, along with the 12, began asking him about the parables. What do they mean? And he said to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are out, outside get everything in parables so that that he quotes here from Isaiah 6, uh, 6, 9 to 10. While seeing, they may see and not perceive. And while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. 
Now, what he was saying to them, it is too late for them. It is too late. They had made up their minds, right? They were there for just for the, for, for the benefits, for all they were getting. And for them, they had made up their minds. So this is judgment. This is judgment. Uh, and we have no time to get into it. But if you, if you get a chance, every time God spoke, every time God spoke to the people on the Old Testament, in parables, every time he spoke in parables, a judgment was coming. That was a judgment, right? So here... Here, uh, our, Lord is, uh, our Lord is speaking in parables, and it's the same thing. It's divine judgment for the rejection of Jesus and the, for their fixed unbelief. They just didn't believe. They just didn't believe. It was a tragic moment in the, in the history of Israel. Now, for the disciples, the apostles, the, the people that were there, the, 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 the close ones, they were the privileged ones to know the, the mysteries of the kingdom. And it was very critical for them to understand this. Very critical. Because they were the ones that were going to take the, the, the message to the end of the earth, right? It was, it was important that they understood all of this. They were, they were the ones that were going to build uh, uh, the kingdom to proclaim the gospel. They were the ones who were going to, use, to be used to establish the church, to establish the church, to strengthen the church, and to take the message, to proclaim the message. So they must... They must understand these things. And it wasn't just for them. We must understand this ourselves too. This is fundamental, fundamental for us. And it's absolutely critical for every believer to understand, to understand the spiritual responsibility they have. Now the question is, or we ask, what is the greatest respons responsibility that we have, that the church has? What is the, the, the greatest responsibility? And I would say is the fulfillment of the Great Commission, right? And we're going we're gonna to send someone today, so it's, it's perfect, right? It's the Great Commission, the fulfillment of the Great Commission. To proclaim the gospel to every creature, to go all, to all nations and teach about Christ, right? That's what uh, Matthew 28 tells us. That's the... the our responsibilities so that so we go and preach the word we preach the gospel so that it could come to him in faith and repentance right so that is the purpose of the church that's why the church exists in the world in this earth to proclaim the gospel to 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 preach the gospel that's our purpose uh evangelism if we could say it in one word evangelism right now listen listen all the goals that we have in church or individually, all the goals are medial goals. Becoming holy, becoming holy, growing, growing spiritually, being obedient, worshiping the Lord, coming to a spiritual maturity. All of those things are medial goals. <clears throat> and I say this because all of these things are to make us into the kind of Christians who have an effective witness, who have an effective witness because our lives, our lives give testimony. It's an effective testimony, right? Isn't it true? Isn't it true with your neighbors? They see you different. We should be different. I, I hope they see you different. Because that's, that's, why we, that's why we live holy lives. That's why we are obedient to the word, right? So people could see us and they say, man, there's, there's, 
that Dan, there's something with Dan that is just different. And it's not that he has no hair. There's, <laughs> there's just something different the way, the way he lives, right? And that gives that testimony effectiveness. And so, so they come and ask us, right? What, you know, what do you do, right? But we do all of those things for a purpose, to evangelize. Amen? Amen. It backs up our, it backs up our, our testimony the way we live. But the ultimate goal is the Great Commission. <clears throat> it's the Great Commission. And with that in mind, this parable of the soils, soils is the most detailed instruction for us on evangelism. It's the most detailed instruction. It tells us what, what are we going to expect, what, sh- what we should expect when we go out and proclaim it, the gospel. It prepares us for the responses that, we are going to, that we're going to get, that we're going to have as we preach, as we preach the word, the gospel. So it's important for us to understand this parable. Now, you know what has happened? The lack of understanding, the misinterpretation of this parable, this parable has blighted the church in a very, very serious way. It has driven the church to engage in all kinds of foolish, foolish and crazy ways to evangelize. And we're not going to get into all of them because I've read so many things of how people, churches evangelize that are just not biblical. But what all that does, when we don't do it by the book, by what the word says, we produce uh, false converts. We produce false converts. And the last thing we want to do is produce false converts, right? Many, many churches are full with false converts. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. And this parable helps us to, to, regulate, to regulate our understanding of, of evangelism. We, we, we read the parable, right? We read the parable, the soils and, you know, rocky ground and all of that. But let's get to the, to the, uh, to the explanation. Verse 13. <clears throat> verse, verse 13, they come, they come to him. They, they're, they're, they're separate now. And the, the, the disciples and, and the apostles that are there, all of them, they are, they're asking him. Or he asked them, do you understand? Jesus asked them, do you understand the parable? And they say, you need to explain it to us. We, we have no clue either. Right? So he does. Verse 14 says, The sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. Now I want you to notice in just this, that, that phrase, he doesn't say anything about the sower. Right? There is no, there's no adjective in front of the sower. He doesn't describe the sower. Doesn't say anything about his technique. It doesn't say anything about his skill. It doesn't say about how his eloquence, that he's a good speaker. He doesn't say how he looks. He's got an Armani suit on. Doesn't say anything about that. You know why? Because it's not about the sower. It's not about the sower. So he doesn't mention anything about the sower. And then he says, sows the word. The word is the seed, right? We know that. The word is the seed because it tells us there. The word is the seed. Now, that's another issue, my brothers and sisters. That's another issue. Because Christianity today, today, it's so bent on creating some kind of uh, uh, synthetic, synthetic, acceptable seed. So much that we have changed the gospel. We have changed, we have corrupted, we have corrupted the gospel. 
into a place where the gospel no longer works. It, it doesn't have any power to save. And many churches have, have, have done that because it's not the true gospel. It's not the true gospel. We don't, we don't want to preach about hell. We don't want to preach about sin. We don't want to preach about repentance. We don't want to preach about damnation. We don't want to preach about, about uh, judgment anymore. And that is the gospel. That's included in the gospel. It's more about what it appeals to people, what people like on the devil of, uh, on the de- left, it is of the devil, but it's on the level of their desires, their felt needs, their personal longings, and what is what they want. But listen, the seed is perfect. If we mess with the seed, we corrupt it. The seed is perfect. We can't mess with it. Leave it the way it is. Leave it the way it is. It doesn't, we don't need to alter it. We'll corrupt it if we do that. Amen? It is perfect as it is. And that's why Paul said, what did Paul say in, in Romans 1.16? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to whoever believes, the Jew and the Greek. Amen? So we don't mess with the seed. We don't mess with the, with the gospel. We leave it as it is. The gospel is perfect. <clears throat> so as we see, the problem is not the sower and the problem is not the seed, Right? The problem is not none of us. So what we have left is the soil. And in Matthew, the parallel passage in Matthew 13, 19, that parallel passage uh, refers to the seed going into the soil uh, as the gospel being sown into the heart. Amen? So the soil is the heart of man. The heart of man. So let's see. Let's see the first. We're moving fast. So let's see the first soil. Verse 15. <clears throat> And this is the first, the first heart. This is what is telling us. This is one of the first hearts that we may encounter as we preach the word. The roadside heart. Let's read. 15. <clears throat> and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes, them, and takes away the word that is sown in them. Amen. So this is the seed that falls. This is the seed that falls in that hard, beaten path that is like concrete. There's no response at all. There's no response at all. <clears throat> and Matthew tells us the parallel passage tells us that the birds come as the, the seed is sown. The seed is, is thrown out there. The, the birds come, right? They see that. Has, it, has that ever happened to you guys? You know, you go plant, it's, I, I've seen it, not in my, not in my uh, yard, but I've seen it in other people's yard. I, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> we're not going to get into that. We'll, we'll make it longer. But we've seen, right? They plant, they throw the seed, and then the birds are watching. They come and they, they snatch the seed. So... Here is telling us, Mark is telling us that those birds, who are they? It's Satan, right? It's Satan. Satan are the birds that come and snatch the word away, the seed. So it never penetrates. It never penetrates at all. The gospel is preached again and again and again. They hear it, but it's a self-destroy rejection. It's a self-destroying rejection. It just doesn't penetrate. 
They go long past the place of grace, long past the place of faith and hope and forgiveness. <clears throat> you remember the Pharisees? They could hear, they could see all the miracles, they could see all of that, but their hearts were hearts of stone. Nothing could penetrate that. And that's what, that's what was happening here. And this is, this is the person that lives out there, that lives out there in the world and lets sin stump their lives. They live an unfenced, unprotected uh, lives where just they're, they're trampled by sin constantly, week after week, day by day, week by week, month by month, trampled by sin constantly, constantly. And they come, right? They come here. The seed is, the, the seed is deposited. And before they're going a mile away, Satan comes, snatches the seed, nothing happens. Nothing happens. They're gone. And they're comfortable where they are. They're comfortable with their sin. They're comfortable with their unbelief. And they could come and hear the word. Many people are like that. Many people are like that. They come and they hear the word and nothing happens. Nothing ever happens. They're impenetrable. <clears throat> now let me tell you, that is a bad place to be in. That is a bad place to be in because they could hear the word again and again and again and nothing happens. Amen? The second soil, verse 16 and 17, it says, can't see. <clears throat> and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And then, uh, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. Then with tribulation or persecution, when persecution, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fell away. Immediately they fell away. <clears throat> so these, is, this, these are, are the, the, the super, superficial hearts, the superficial idea rather that says when they hear the word, they say, wow. Right? Wow, this is, this is great. But because there's a rock bed underneath, everything comes up, everything comes up, the sun comes out, scorches the, scorches the, 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 the seed, right? And the plant doesn't produce anything. Nothing is produced, right? And this is, I would say, this is more like an emotional response. Because they say, it says they receive the word with joy. They gladly, they're joyous when they receive it. But because they have no firm root in them, there's no place for them to get water. There's a, so just a superficial. It's superficial and temporary, right? Root doesn't go in there. Root doesn't go in there to, to, to reach for the water. And then they fall away. They fall away. Because it was a shallow and emotional response Shallow and emotional response without counting the cost. Without counting the cost and selfishly seeking personal satisfaction. Now let's go back a little bit to the seed. Because it has to do sometimes with the seed. When it's a corrupted seed. And I'm going to tell you why. Many Christians, and I've heard them before, I've heard them before, offer this corrupted seed. This is what they say. Come to Jesus, and he will solve your problems. Financial problems? No worries. 
Come to Jesus, he'll take care of that. Right? Problems with kids, problems in marriage, problems with the dog, no problem. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He'll solve your problems. Right? Now, the question is, who doesn't want that? I want that. Everyone wants that. We live in a fallen world. Everybody has problems. Do you have problems? I have problems. We all have problems. So we all want our problems solved. So when we hear this, when we hear this, they say, yes, I want Jesus. I want Jesus to come and take care of everything, right? The problem with that is that when the problem or trouble doesn't get solved, when it doesn't get solved, as they say that God will solve their, their problems, they get angry at God. They get angry at God. I've heard people. I came, they told me this, 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 that God was going to, you know, and, and, and nothing happened. It got worse. And they fall away. They're gone. They're gone. The thing is, brothers and sisters, the Bible never promises that. That is not the true gospel. Never promises that. You know what it tells us? Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not forsake, that word forsake, there, and, and some versions it says hate. And we don't have time to explain that. But it, that's what uh, some version says. To me, uh, those who come to me and does not forsake his father and mother, wife, Children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, that's very radical and different, right? That he's going to solve your problems. Very radical and very different. Now, and that's what the gospel calls for, right? Right? We must surrender everything. And when he tells us, well, that's why Christ said that if you, if you want to follow me, pick up the cross. Now, what was, what was the, 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 the symbol of the cross? We, we carry it. Some people carry it proudly, right? We have it. But that meant death. And then at that particular time, even more, when you were call yourself a Christian, be ready because they were coming to get you, right? So that's what it meant. It meant death and even death. And that's why I said this, was very, this is very radical and different. <clears throat> and that is the true gospel. Now, I would like to get to the joy, but uh, we leave the joy alone. Just to say, the joy, brothers and sisters, is not the distinguishing factor of true conversion. It is not. It's more like mourning and weeping. Mourning and weeping, right? Brokenness, brokenness. According to James 4, uh, uh, verse uh, Chapter 4, verse 6 to 10, and Matthew, the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 4, it tells us, blessed are the ones who mourn. Blessed are the ones who are broken, right? That, that what conviction produces. That's what conviction produces. It produces that, that uh, 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 brokenness over my sin, Right? Over my sin. And it's not because God is going to fix everything. No. No. <clears throat> it's not they, they're not, they're not, mostly all the time, what the, the thing is that uh, 
People want what they preach in a lot of places, health, wealth, and prosperity, right? But that's not the true gospel. Again, that is not the true gospel. Amen? Amen. Third soil. And we're moving, we're moving fast. Third soil. Verses 18 and 19. <clears throat> and others are the ones sown among thorns. There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter, enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Amen. It proves unfruitful. These are the thorny hearers I, I, I put here. Uh, this is not a shallow response. This is not an emotional response, right? This is not a, of self-interest. This is, this is different. This is the double-minded person whose repentance is not complete. And the reason why it's not complete is because they want salvation. Yes, they do want salvation. They want Christ. They want the kingdom. But they also want the world. They also want the riches. They want the things of the world. They want what the world is offering. They want to serve God in money. But what did our Lord said? We can't serve two gods. We can't serve God in money, right? No. This is, the, this is the rich young ruler. Do you remember the rich young ruler? Came to Jesus, came to Jesus and said, what do I have to do, what do, I have to, do to, come to get into the, to enter the kingdom? And the Lord said, give up all your money. Give up all your possessions, right? He, 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 rich ruler said, well, you know, you got to obey the commands. Obey. I have kept them. I am, I'm there. I'm on point. Right? And then uh, Christ, Jesus, pointed right where his idol was. Right? Directed right where his idol was, the riches. And he says, you must give everything. But you know what happened? He wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't willing to, to leave uh, his riches or admit his own, his own sinfulness. So he couldn't let go of the riches and he couldn't let go of his pride. He couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And that's what he's talking about. We're, we've got to be willing to give all of that. Now, verse 19, a very interesting phrase in verse 19. In the, in the beginning of the phrase, he said, phrase, in the beginning of the, uh, of the verse, it says, the worries of the world. The worries of the world. Literally what it means, the distractions of the age. I like that better. The distractions of the age. And this is the heart that unfortunately loves the world. All the things that, that, that are in the world and according to John, 1 John 2.15, <clears throat> if that's what's happening, that they love the world and they love the things of the world, the love of God is not in him. The love of God is not in him. And according to James 4.4, 4, James tells us that he's an enemy. If that's the way it is, he is the enemy of, of God. He's the enemy of God because he loves the world. These are those who, who are under the terrible temptation of the love of money. As 1 Timothy 6, 9 tells us, right? They are consumed with the world, with the things of this world. Now, uh, something important to say, the, 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 the gospel calls us for a break from, from, from the distractions of the age. From the distractions of the age, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of, for, for other things. Because all of that, all those things, if we want the world, riches, and all of that, all that does what? It chokes the word. It chokes the seed. It doesn't produce nothing. 
Now, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, so what are we supposed to do? Does the Lord want us not to have anything? Not to work? Not, no. First uh, Timothy 6 tells us that the love, money in itself is, has no, no, it's not bad. But when we pursue it, and that is our main thing that we pursue, that is our priority, and we leave the things of God for money, then it becomes a problem. Then it becomes a problem because now the priority has become money and not God. Amen? We have made a, an idol of the money. And the beautiful thing about this is that... that, that we don't have to give up everything, or, or rather, we, we have to give up everything, but the Lord will provide, right? It's not that we're not going to have anything. It's not that we're going to have anything. The Lord will give us whatever we, He chooses to give us in His blessings. He will give us food. He will give us, He's, he's our provision, isn't He? How many, how many have a testimony like that? I know many, many who has a, a t have testimony where God has provided, and we I think we all have that testimony because everything that we have, everything that we have is a provision for him. It's because he has given it to us. Sometimes we say it's our, our hands. Sometimes we say it's, it's my, my intelligence. My, I'm, I'm so smart and, I, and I'm all of this. No, no. He's given it to us all. Amen? <clears throat> he's, our, he's our provider. So the distinguishing mark of a true believer is not the love for those things and the desire for those things, but a consuming love for God, seeking what, what Matthew tells us, seeking first the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then what? All the things will be at. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. Praise the Lord. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 20. And this one gives us the last, the last soil. The last oil. And this is, uh, this is the people who respond the right way. They respond the right way. Verse 20. Verse 20 says, And these are the ones on whom seed has, was sown and the good soil, on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. Now, let me tell you something about this. <clears throat> this, was, this was a shocker to them. This was a shocker to them. Because at those times, a, a crop didn't produce. A crop didn't produce that way. I was reading the most a crop produced was seven, seven and a half, seven point five. 7.5. So 30-fold? 60-fold? 100-fold? They were like, what is he talking about? So that was, this was a shocker to them, but I'm going to explain it to you why. But first thing, I, I just wanted to tell you, tell you this too. Uh, these people who, who hear the word, they accept it, and they bear fruit, they are the willing to, to humble themselves. They are willing to be broken and contrite of heart. They desire heaven. They desire salvation. They desire forgiveness. But underneath all of that, they desire to be delivered from the dominating power of sin. And that's why they weep and mourn, right? Because they feel that they feel that weight of sin, and they're willing to give it. 
They're willing to give it. They're willing to come humbly, right? They want, life, they want a life of righteousness and holiness, and that is a good soil. That is a good soil, right? <clears throat> but here the verse tells us what I just told you, the, 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 uh, the result of that good soil, the result of it is going to be phenomenal, phenomenal. It says, they, they that hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And again, this was the shocker to them. This was a shocker to them because that didn't happen. That proportion was just not possible. Absolutely not possible. It was impossible. So the point is this simply, that even though the results, now this is a spiritual thing now, even though the results immediately on the surface didn't look good, right? Remember the apostles? As they were preaching the word, as Christ was preaching the word, multitudes are coming. By the thousands they're coming. But were they staying? Were they staying? Absolutely not. They weren't staying. They were going. So the disciples were looking at that. Man, a lot of people are, and, 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 and now, and we have no time. But they were coming. They were coming and, and they, they were coming and going, coming and going, and, and, and the disciples were saying, man, what's going on? Why, why so little? Why were, the flock is little. They're few, right? And there was a time that even as, as, as Christ was preaching, and he was preaching, and they said, man, this word is hard. Lord, you, you, you got to tone it down because nobody's staying. What did the Lord tell them? You want to go too? You could go. You could go. So it was sort of discouraging for the, for the disciples. Nothing is happening here, right? Nothing is happening. They saw all of those that couldn't break with the world, the superficial disciples, coming and going. They saw all of that. And they wondered, wouldn't you? I would too. What's going on? Why the little flock? Why so few? And here is the great lesson of the parable. The results were going to be supernatural. No hard, rocky, weedy, prickly ground will thwart God's divine purposes. None. None. The Lord was going to do absolutely staggering, unexplicable things. And he did, didn't he? Right? He did. When? Day of Pentecost. How many were saved in the day of Pentecost? 3,000. A week later, 5,000. And a weeks later, 20, there was 20,000 in a matter of weeks. Now, that's supernatural, isn't it? And after those 20,000, they turned the world upside down, my brothers and sisters. And because they turned the world upside down, we are here. We are of that crop. We are of that mega crop. Because the gospel was preached, right? And here we are, 2,000 plus years later, still preaching the gospel. And you know the beauty about that? There, because there's times that we get, we get discouraged, don't we? As we preach the gospel. 
Sometimes we preach the gospel to people and nothing. Sometimes you could, you could see the hardness, the stiff neck, the rejection. And we say, man. And we probably don't see it much here, but in another places that they're preaching the gospel, yes, they, they, they just, some, nothing happens. Nothing happens. But you know, the thing about the soil, that we have nothing to do with the soil. And that's why I'm a firm believer of prayer. Because as we pray, we tell the Lord, Lord, tilt that soil. Move that soil, Lord, that when the word is preached, that it may be good soil. We have nothing to do with the soil. Our job is just to preach the gospel. Preach the true gospel. And that is it. We let them do the work, and we trust. We trust that many will be added because he promised it, right? He's the one that said 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold because he's the one that does it, not us. We just must be faithful to what he tells us to do. Preach the gospel. And that should encourage all of us as we go out there to preach the gospel to our, to our neighbors, to anyone who hears us. Preach the gospel, whether they hear it or not. That is not, he'll take care of the soil. He'll take care of the soil. Our job is just to preach the gospel. And we will do that. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads. <clears throat> Oh, Heavenly Father, may we eagerly preach the gospel, live the gospel, to the end that you would be glorified and that our faithfulness may cause many to give you glory as they come to know you. Help us to be faithful to that, Lord. Help us to be faithful to preach the gospel the way you want us to preach it, not a corrupt gospel but just what your word says. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.